To be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper. But I believe it is so much more. The ability to craft a story, to change lives, to transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways that the reader never dreamed possible. Yes, to have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways like feeling a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheek. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste a delicacy on foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before. Touching places long forgotten. Connecting your soul in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Carolina Writers Speak, a new podcast, a chance to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and their struggles, and realize that we all have a story and it's worth telling. This is Rose Cushing with Carolina Writers Speak. Today our guest is Amy Skinner. And Amy is a, a very accomplished horsewoman, but she's also an author who has two books out. So I thought you guys would get to know Amy and enjoy learning about her journey as a writer. So Amy, tell our listeners you know, kind of quick about your career as a horsewoman. Oh, well, um, I started about... 12 years ago, I believe now, um, and I started uh, teaching after uh, an instructor um, quit, and they needed a quick substitute, and that's kind of how I fell into the lap of it, and um, I've been teaching and training ever since, and I started out in northern Michigan, and then I ended up moving down here to North Carolina, and um, right now I mostly focus on doing young horses starting under saddle and, and rehabilit postural rehabilitation of horses who have uh, lameness issues or crookedness and things like that. Okay. So um, what inspired you to write your first book? You know, it just kind of happened. It was just something that uh, I had sat down on my laptop and started plugging away at writing down these things that were in my head. Um I have a friend who's an editor and also the director of the Best Source Practices Summit, and she said, you know, you should be writing a book. And I was like, that's crazy. I can't write a book. And eventually I realized that I had enough content to put into a book. Um, so that's kind of how it got started. And what was your first book you wrote? Um, it's called To Catch a Horse. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that one. Well, To Catch a Horse is not at all what I intended, intended it to be because I actually wrote a book, like a full book in a story format. And I had plugged my my laptop in, uh, and the motherboard got fried during a thunderstorm, and so I lost my entire book. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was completely devastated, and I was like, "That was my book," you know. And um, what ended up happening was I was on deadline, and I had to come up with something. And I'm actually much happier with what I wrote the second time than the first time. So what kind of a story format did you choose the second time? I didn't choose a story format at all. I actually just chose a series of quick bursts of ideas. It's kind of like a collection of articles and thoughts. And I, I think it actually was much better the second time. 
So your your book is almost as if we were there getting a lesson from you. Each each chapter is a different lesson. Yeah, each chapter is a different topic. Each chapter is a different different conversation. That's really a good format, I think, because it makes it easy for people to read it and stop and absorb what mm -hmm. you said and try it. Yeah, I've had a lot of people say that it was really easy to read because they could just pick it up and put it down. And so I'm, I'm happy that my first one didn't work out. So for To Catch a Horse, did you self-publish that or traditionally publish? Uh, so my, my editor, who I've been, I started writing through her for a publication called Nicker News, which is now Cayuse Communications. Yeah. Um, she, she published it. Okay, very good. And how, how long has that been out on the market? Um, I believe that came out in 20, 2019. Uh-huh. So it was the same year I had my daughter, so I believe that's the year it's been, it came out. Okay. It was a crazy, crazy year. Yeah, that's a lot to, to accomplish in a year. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was an intense year. <laughs> For sure. So what was your, your greatest struggle other than losing the whole thing, you know, in putting this together and making this actualize your dream? Well, it was just scary thinking about putting this out and having people want to buy it, you know, and, and the, I remember after it was published, people would order it and I'd have to send it out and I had so much reluctance about putting the book in the envelope and just shipping it out. So like, what if they don't like it? Right. Um, <laughs> or, you know, what if I'm like, I'm kind of a phony, like who am I to write this book and say something? Um, but I realized fairly quickly that people could relate to it a lot and that they really enjoyed feeling like they could read the experience of a fellow person, you know, that I, I hadn't taken the platform of somebody who knows everything. I'd taken the platform of, like, a person with experiences that are human, and so I think that that got less scary over time to ship those books out. I, I can see that as a writer, you know, where you would be more comfortable saying, hey, I'm not an expert, but I want you, I want to take you on this journey and teach yeah. you what I learned. Yeah. So that, that makes good formatting, I think. I think so, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, just, just putting yourself out there into the world. I mean, my book's been shipped all over the world, and it's, it's a little intimidating to think, like, my picture, my words, my basically my diary is out on everybody's bedside or behind their toilet or whatever it ends up. But what a good feeling to, to when you realize, but they like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's told me if they didn't like it so far, so um, it's, it's good and scary at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, how would you advise a person who wants to write to get started? What What would be your words of wisdom there? Well, I think that it's just something you kind of have to start plugging away at. You know, you have to get over the initial hurdle of, like, who am I to write a book, and I don't know how to write a book, and what am I supposed to say? You know, and, um, you know I think the way that I write now, I just sort of stick to those little blurbs, and, and that just seems to be the format that feels the most natural to me. I think every writer has to find their, their way, their what feels natural to them and what feels like their voice, and once you find that, just stick to it and, and let it feel like it's you talking instead of trying to fit a certain uh, format. Right, right. I, I agree with you. I think that the, you have to think about it one bite at a time and not the immense yeah. project. Yeah, because my book was a whole project that I had to get done. It, you know, it didn't, 
I got it done, but it really, like, in retrospect, it didn't really feel like it was me. You know, it was like I was trying to write a book the way I thought people should write a book. And when I published my first book, I was actually really proud of it because it just felt like me. Right. And it's something you're going to keep seeing over and over and over again. It's not like a project you get done and it's over. It's like you have to look at it for years over and over and over. So it's got to really feel like something that was you. I agree with you on that, too, because once it's out there, you can't take it back. And Exactly. You can't tell people, like, hey, can you do something that back? I actually hate it. <laughs> I know. Or here's a better version, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so then you, you, how long was it before you started your second book? I started right away. Oh, cool. So yeah. tell me about your second book, The Middle Road. So the second book is pretty similar format to the first one in that I uh, just read a little blurb. Uh, but I got a little bit braver, and the story got a little more personal. Uh-huh. So how long did it take you to write the second book? Um, I believe I wrote the second one in a year. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that book. Um, the Middle Road has more of my personal life experiences, information about my career and how I got started, the good, the bad, the, the ugly. Um, it's got a little more like poking fun at myself and um, right. I think it's a little it's a little more brave in terms of like the first one I was a little worried about looking unprofessional or maybe people would think I didn't know what I was talking about and by the second one I was like let's just give this a shot <laughs> hook up this uh, hook up this truck and trailer and go for a ride yeah yeah you know you never know if you're going to win place or show till you enter the ring <laughs> exactly and I actually much prefer my second book to the first one. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm much more proud of it because I think that, you know, it is it's much more me. Um, but I think that they, the two books show, you know, part of how I've evolved over the space between them, the things that I've learned that are new um, or, you know, takes that I've changed or evolved on. Right, right. And what would you say, is, is that one also published by Cayuse? Yeah, both books are published by Kaius Communications. Okay. And what would you say was your hardest obstacle in your second book? Well, you know, some of the stories are sort of personal. So, you know, there's always the, the concern that you're publishing, like, your own diary, you know. But um, by the second one, I was feeling much more comfortable about publishing it. So it wasn't nearly as scary as the first. Right. And what year did that one come out? Um, I believe that one came out last year. Okay, so that's pretty new. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So what advice would you have for folks about finding the right publisher for your book? Because I think that's, you know, writing it is an accomplishment, but after you write it, then what do you do with it, you know? So give us a little right. insight for that. Well, I got lucky in the sense that I've known Maddie for almost 10 years. I've been writing articles for Maddie for a long time. So I'm familiar with her editing style. I'm familiar with what she's looking for. I'm familiar with what she's going to behave like under deadlines. You know, all of that stuff is just, that can be really intimidating and scary. Um, and, you know, when you when you write something, it's, it's a piece of you, but then you have to send it through editing, and the editor's going to edit it the way they see fit, and most editors are going to, work on, you know, your, your grammar errors and, and spelling mistakes and stuff like that, but some are going to change the actual structure of your sentences, and, you know, that can be kind of a interesting thing to, to contend with, because you mean to say something, and they interpret it different, and then that brings up some, 
interesting roadblock, I would say, that they're, you know, editing your work. And so um, finding a publisher and an editor who are, are interested in publishing your voice and not making it conform to a, something that your book is not meant to be is really important. I agree with you on that, and I, I think, you know, finding a like-minded publisher and, yeah. and, or an agent, either one, is, is a very important thing, especially in, in uh, niche genres, because exactly. if you don't know the horse industry, you don't know whether it's good or not. You don't know whether it's going to sell or not. So, you know, and I would think it would be the same whether it was bicycling or cooking or whatever, you know. It, right. Um, you kind of have to have somebody that knows what they're doing in that area. Yeah, my my uh, publisher Maddie, she's Maddie Butcher, knows my voice and what I'm trying to say. And the first editor that we chose for the first book wasn't a horse person, and so it was tricky because there was a lot of things that we say in the horse world that she didn't understand the terminology and words that she tried to change to make them say something that weren't what I was trying to say. And so by the second book, we kind of hit our stride and found an editor that works better for us. And you know, you, those are things that, like, I don't have the resources and know-how to find editors. That's right. the first department, and so working with somebody that I trust and that knows what I'm trying to say was really, really helpful because um, it can be intimidating trying to figure out who to find to edit your book. And um, Not all editors edit in the same way or in the same style or, or, you know, some people are focused entirely on your grammar and your punctuation, and some people are going to edit the flow of your words, and so you kind of need to know what you're looking at. Absolutely. And and both of those styles of editing are important and necessary, you know, so if you can find that in a, a package deal, then you've really hit on a good editor. Yeah. So is there a third book in the works? I have been working on my third book since I published the second, yeah. I don't have a title for it, um, and, you know, my, my writing is kind of... Um, fly by the seat of your pants type of a thing. It's a book that is forming itself, so I don't really have a structure that I'm trying to follow because I learned my lesson with the first one. And um, What I'm doing right now is just, you know, when something comes to mind, I write it down, and then I will take a look at it toward the end and try to put it in a flow that, that seems like it makes sense, and a title will come. I think that that's true, too, with myself when I write because the title's the hardest part. Yeah, I mean, because that's you know that's your hook to make people pick it up and put it in their cart, and yeah, and it, that, and that's a tough part. Of, and another tough part for me, and and maybe for you, was what do you put on the back to say about oh, your yeah. book? You know, and, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, so the first book, the Catch a Horse, um, I named the Catch a Horse because there was an article in there called the Catch a Horse where it was thinking about the philosophy behind catching a horse. And I realized that a lot of people purchasing the book thought it was going to be a training manual with step-by-step -step instructions, and it wasn't. And so um, the best advice that I was given about um, what to put on the back of the book is that people don't typically give negative reviews to books because they didn't like it. They give negative reviews because they didn't get what they expected. And so by the time I had the second book out, I put on the back of the book, I don't remember the exact wording, but something like, this is not a training manual, this is an author's take on this and that, the other thing. So that people pick it up and they know right away that they're reading philosophies and stories. They're not reading my training manual, which is really important. When I go to clinics and I'm trying to sell my book, people aren't thinking they're buying a training manual with step-by-step -step instructions on what to do when they get home. 
I think that's true because, you know, I, I know I bought a book by a very famous author, and, and I'm not a big reader, which is odd oh. because I write. Yeah. But, but it was a story about Christmas, and it was Christmas time, and I thought I would enjoy it. And it right. wasn't at all like a warm, fuzzy, good Christmas story, and I was so right. disgusted I would never buy her books again because I felt misled by the back of her book. Yeah, yeah. And this, this person's written hundreds of books. I mean, it's not like they're new. So right. I, that's all really important. And, and I think that, you know, the details of putting your book together are incredibly important, too. So do you have any ideas about the fonts you choose and, and how long you make your book and those kind of things? How did you make those kind of decisions? Well, I followed the advice of my um, publisher because she says that typically the way that I was formatting my book, most people were going to be out between 100 to 150 to 200 pages was probably the limit. Right. Um, and she gave that to me in, in a word amount instead of pages because the page, you know, you don't know how many pages it is until it's formatted. Right. Um, and she chose the font and she chose the font size just based on, I think, their, their research on what people typically like to look at. Um, and, you know, the thing was that, like, you don't want the words too close together. You don't want the font too small. You want it to be visually appealing to look at. Um, you know, and those are just interesting details because writing a good, writing good content is not the whole game. You know, writing the good content is part of it. But it's, like you said, the back of the book needs to put the writer and the, the reader in the right frame of mind. And then your formatting makes it, needs to make it easy to flow for the eyes. Um, so that was, you know, the publisher's advice that I followed. But I think it's helpful to pick up a bunch of books that you like and look at them and say what you like, try to identify what you like about it. Why do I like reading this book? And I know I've had plenty of books that I enjoyed the story of, but I had a hard time reading because it was hard visually for me to look at. Yeah. And the font was too small or too close together or the pages were too small. You know, those types of things, they all really matter. It does all really matter. Even the color of your paper is a choice that you have to make when you print a book. You oh, know? yeah, if it's too white, a lot of people, I mean, I can't look at super white papers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are all, it's just stuff to think about when you pick up a book. Like, you know, you know when you go to a bookstore and you just pick up a book and you don't really know why, why do I like holding this book? It's helpful to pick it up and try to identify some specific things about that that you're enjoying. Because it's always more than just the the words are good to read. Absolutely. And how did you choose your cover shot? Because as a magazine publisher for a long time, um, one one issue, I, I let somebody else choose the cover, and I threw away almost all I printed because people just did not pick it up. So yeah. I learned a lesson about how important the cover shot is. So tell me a little bit about how you chose yours. Well, you know, the cover shot was interesting because I was taking pictures that meant something to me, and my editor was like, this is not visually appealing. And so I'm thinking, like, of course it's visually appealing, because I remember that moment, and I loved that moment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see inside my head and, and see the memories or the, you know, the details about a horse that I'm looking at. They're looking at a picture for its color, for its um angling for all of those details. So I actually redid the cover of my first book multiple times. And what I was trying to show on the first book is a picture of me uh, reaching out to a horse was, was the connection between a human and a horse. And mm -hmm. I redid that photo many times to get all the details of the horse's face 
in my hand, in my face, all of the same shot, which is tricky without anything busy in the background. And so I had to learn a lot about, um, you know, visually capturing the sentiment that my words were trying to capture, which is a whole different ballpark. Um, and then by the second time I came around with my second book, I had a better handle on things. Um, and I had the, the second book, I was trying to show the same thing, just, you know, connection and relaxation. So I have a picture of a horse yawning next to me. So um, I think that, you know, I tried to show evolution between the thoughts of the first book and the second book. You know, the first book is just trying to connect with the horse in the beginning, and the second book I hope shows that things have progressed in there and the horse is feeling good. Um, but, you know, I hope to get a picture so that if somebody doesn't know anything about anything that I'm talking about, they look at the picture and there's something that draws them in and they don't know what. Well, I, I'm looking at your cover right now for both books, and I think you did really, really good job choosing your shots because the, to catch a horse does, that, that draws me because I know that moment, and I think yeah. every horseman does. And I think that was really important for that book. And yeah. the middle of the road shot, I love that because that's kind of like the middle of the road where you're at yeah. in the middle. You yeah. know, you're, you've had some successes with your training. You've developed this relationship. You guys are partners. Right. And now what, you know, and, and this is where you're at right now. And so, yeah. you know, I'm assuming your third book will probably be about what's next. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, what's funny about the cover of the first book was that I was heavily pregnant at the time and trying to cover it up with my coat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would never have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of uh, retakes of those photos to not have this big pregnant belly on the cover of the book, and they ended up cropping out everything from my shoulder back, I think. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was an interesting experience because, you know, like you're, you're, you're memorializing a whole chunk of your life in this book and, and like, every detail about cover and the words and the, you know the quote you choose in the beginning and all of it is kind of just like there forever you know yeah yeah and one more thing I want to talk to you about because I know you're busy this morning you've got work you real work you got to do out with horses but tell me about how you handled your author bio because I think that's also very important I think people buy from you because they like you so tell me how you dealt with that you know, uh, author bio might have been the hardest part for me because, you know, I know myself and I don't feel the need to reiterate my <laughs> entire career story every time I talk to somebody because, like, I know that. And, again, it's like, you know, you need you need people who can't read inside your head and know exactly who you are uh, without talking about it. And it can be weird and uncomfortable to talk about, like, which details about my career are important for other people to, to know. Right. Um, so the author bio, you know, you're you're when you're selling your book, you're not selling your training. You know, I'm not I'm not advertising for clinics and stuff like that. So I'm selling the book. Uh, and you want to give relevant details to myself as a horse person that writes books. You know, what about me is going to make you want to read this book? So you know, it's not like your typical bio where you're like, oh, I spent the years of 2016 to 2017 and here and doing that and won this buckle. Like nobody. Nobody is going to care about your accomplishments as a horsewoman. They want to know who you are as a person and how it relates to them so they can read the book. I agree. I agree 100%, yeah. especially in a book where you're you're talking about your personal journey and not so much exactly. step by step. Yeah. So you're trying to you're trying to give information about yourself that's going to make people connect you as, a, as an author, not as a uh, trainer for sales, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like that both of these books could stand alone to a non-horse person very easily because it's a beautiful journey. And, it, yeah. and it's there are things that they will see as they read your book that applies to their life, too. Yeah. Yeah, my mom does stuff like that all the time. So I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds a lot like when I was raising you kids. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was telling Rodney this morning, I, my husband, I said, you know, everything I have learned since I have been a horse journalist has applied uh-huh. to my children, my family, my business, and my life. Right. And, and it really is just the basic principles of living a good life and being smart about what you do. Yeah. Definitely yeah, that's so. What, that's what my two books are really about, is um, my life experiences as a horse person and meshed with my life. Yeah. Yeah, when I used to sell advertising for my horse magazine and my show, I would say to people, you know, horse people do everything that normal people do. We just happen to own horses, too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think they're both really good reads, and I'm going to order your second book when we get offline here. Tell everybody out there how they can get your books. Well, I sell them through my website, which is amyskinnerhorsemanship.com, and you'll have to click on the shop page, and you can see one of the two books. You can, well, you can see them both. So that's how you can order my book. Um, that would be the, the best way to get them directly from me. And if you have somebody that you want to make this a gift for, Amy's happy to sign it and, and dedicate it to somebody for you too, right? Yep, you just have to specify in your order details. I, mean, I think there's a section under notes or something like that where you can you can tell me anything specific about your order. So I'm more than happy. Anyone that comes out of my house comes signed. Um, and then if you want anything specific, then you can just write it in the notes. All right. That sounds great. I really appreciate your time this morning, and thank you for being on our show, Carolina Writers Speak. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks, Rose. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Everybody has a story. Just let your mind drift away and find yours. I know it's out there. What are you waiting for? <laughs>